Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Carol Sanford about our various roles, how we view those differently to impact change, and how these roles carry over into our work. Carol Sanford, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Uh, you have such an interesting background and the topic uh, for today on role perception and work and, and making meaningful change in the world is something I feel strongly about and I'm really interested to hear your unique take on these different uh, topics. Um, so this should be a really great and interesting conversation. Great. And I love sharing my perspective on all that. So I think you're right. Great conversation. Awesome. Well, as we get started, I just want to uh, start by sharing uh, your bio with the listeners. Carol Sanford is consistently recognized uh, as a thought leader working side by side with Fortune 500 and new economy executive teams, designing and leading system, uh, systematic business change and design. She's a senior fellow of social innovation at Babson College, founder uh, of the Regenerative Business Development Community, Change Agent Development Community. Uh, her best-selling books have 15 awards, a required reading at leading business and management schools, including Harvard, Stanford, Berkeley, MIT, and others. Carol also partners with producing executive education through Babson College uh, and Chaos Pilot in Denmark, University of Washington, and the Lewis Institute of, at Babson. Uh, her books are filled with case stories from around the world um, with lots of diversity represented. Uh, again, a great, really interesting background. And I see we share uh, a lot of that uh, mm that scholar and professorial orientation and, and a lot of the work we do. Uh, and uh, I'm just excited to talk with you. Uh, anything you would like to add uh, before we really dive on in? I think the only thing that I would add to it is my fifth book, uh, the one we're going to end up talking about, is based on an action learning um, project. And so we had over 100 people involved. So there is the scholar place that we share. So thought that might be useful to you. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, and, and action learning and various forms of experiential learning and problem-based learning are, are just, you know, for geeking out a little bit in terms of the academic side, that it's really great pedagogy and a great way to, to get students uh, engaged in material and giving them a chance to really better understand uh, through application, um, what they're learning in the classroom and how it applies to the real world. So that's, that's really cool. And I definitely am interested in hearing more about that. 
Okay. Well, as we uh, get started, I, I just was hoping you could provide your uh, your way of thinking about roles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all carry a lot of different roles in our lives, and they impact. They over they intersect and they overlap and they they impact other areas. Um, so how would you define roles? Why are they important to understand? And what does it mean to change the way we see our current roles? Okay. Now, uh, and that, of course, is the heart of the regenerative life uh, research we did and book I wrote. Uh, I think the first thing that helps is to think about roles in two levels or layers. Um, you're speaking about life roles, which, which is what I call the base layer. You know, we go out and we do some, sometimes they're related to our career, most often, like I'm a teacher or I'm an accountant. And we, play, we call it a role because we play it in a context, right? We're doing it as part of our contribution. But there's a second layer of roles which is what I'm talking about, which in all cultures have been known and named. They've been called archetypes. I call them meta roles. It, and the way they work is we choose them at a point in time. So um, I have folks who are parents, for example, or who are supervisors, who may at some point step into being an educator rather than just carrying out what a supervisor would normally do or a parent. And that's because those roles have an archetypal kind of meaning. They have kind of an essence that allow us to put into our mind an uplifting and aspirational and probably a highly useful way of engaging with people. So I'm. this book was about looking not at the career level of life of me doing things, but me of serving society or serving in a larger way, standing in a meta role. Does that make some sense? Absolutely, and I, I love that framing, uh, and it slightly shifts um, the way our orientation and the way we're thinking about roles, uh, so that's wonderful. So I guess the follow-up to that is, why do you feel it's important to shift our, our perception of roles uh, and how, what kind of impact can that have? Well, I am the granddaughter of a mo half Mohawk who knew about archetype from the um, Iroquois nation kind of framing. And one of the things that he said his great grandfather had taught him is when the great disruption came and the trail of tears and all of the reservations were established. You had to know how to regenerate a society. You had to regenerate a nation. And in order to have any nation work, and this is true in a lot of indigenous cultures which have not been overly colonized by um, outside forces, they know that these roles are important. So they, you know, my grandfather taught me about uh, head man, head woman, warrior, which did not mean go to war, it meant ask what's worth fighting for. And I write about this in an earlier book, uh, the clown, which helped us see the elephant in the room, the hunter, which helped not just feed us, but understand how it was <clears throat> that we took care of this, the, the uh, ecosystem we lived in, so it and we both could eat. So I grew up with going to the farm, going to the pig pen, all that stuff with my grandfather, but 
it was never about this lower role. Uh, and I don't mean lesser role. I mean, like daily life role. It was always about asking me, <clears throat> what is our role with these pigs? My grandfather raised pigs, right, among many other things. And it never occurred to me that I had a role with them. I mean, I thought about them, you know, uh, most people, I guess, think about it as they have a role in feeding me or going to market and sell them. No, nope, my grandfather wanted me to understand roles in that way. And he, as I got older, helped me see that I had roles in a culture. I had roles in society. And if people didn't step up to those, you didn't have a working society. So. That's again kind of the foundation of the research we did is looking at what makes society work uh, and what roles have to be there. Now, the, the daily life roles will go on, but what meta roles do you need to have take on in order to step in at various points in time and create a system that works for all, not for most, not for some, but for all because that was the point of my grandfather's lessons, is those meta roles make a society work, but they also make an organization work, uh, and they make a family work. And so understanding these is about the working of something, is why it's important, and understanding how we can play, we found nine of them, how we may play all nine. I pretty much, uh, over a period of a few months, we'll end up multiple times playing different roles, even when I'm just like uh, with a corporate team in front of me. I don't always do it the same. I'm asking, what role is needed to make this work? That's awesome. Uh, it really is a, a, a different way to, to view um, the role of roles, right, in, right. in society. Um, and I think that's really great. Uh, I love the idea of meta roles and really just the focus on the interconnectedness uh, of, of everything. Um, and I like how you framed it in terms of um, kind of this having a functional and uh, working society, uh, a system that, that benefits all. And I think, you know, we're, given the current pandemic and the racial um, uh, concerns throughout the country and the protesting Black Lives Matter, we just finished Pride Month, um, you know, there's, there's lots of angst, political, social angst and frustrations. And, um, you know, we, we have systems that, that aren't, functioning uh, correctly, yeah. right? And so if we want to, to really understand how we can go about tackling these really complex um, societal problems, uh, it, it, it fundamentally needs to start with our, our firm understanding of these various meta roles. Um, so I'm curious, how, how do we change uh, our society's view of of change, how to how to impact change, how to have meaningful, long-lasting, sustainable change, when we're in the middle of this kind of a turbulent, tumultuous uh, climate. The exciting part is this is the perfect time to do that. 
Because to bring about change and to confront people's theory of change, you have to have disruption. I normally go into organizations, spend a lot of time creating the disruption. I'm very disruptive when I work with people. Part of it is I'm really contrarian on my theory of change. But I take on a role, and I think the, 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 there are three meta roles that are core to this point in time, and I'll, I'll tell you how I've been working with them as examples. The first meta role is educator. Now, I don't mean necessarily in a classroom. I just ran uh, a series of morning meetings that when the pandemic started and then as we moved into the racial uh, demonstrations and asking um, for more understanding of what happens, particularly in black communities. But as you point out, bias exists in with many communities which are set aside and we're trying to raise that up, including with Pride Month. And there's ageism, you could go on and on. I ran a series of morning meetings with people who are members of my communities. I have business communities, which people hang out with me several times a year um, over many, many years, and individual change agents. And I stepped into this role, um, and th there were two things that I brought uh, in the education role. One was, uh, first, an understanding of how to manage yourself. I did 27 days on that. And if anyone who's listening to your podcast would like to hear those, they're all recorded uh, and on Facebook. And if they go to the regenerative life community and you answer the questions you can join if you don't answer the questions i'll never know you showed up that's an educator role to try and give people how in the world do i create me being stable enough i can help bring change all right so we have to do that we have to work you ask you know how in the world do we do that how do we bring about change first we have to educate ourselves to be self-managing in regard to our reactivity, our arrogance, our hubris, and being able to put ourselves in a position of being useful, being purposeful. But the second set of days I did for my corporate clients was what I call designing bias out of your structure, systems, and processes. Because people can't see that they're actually designing bias-making machinery in their organizations uh, in their uh, work systems, in how they manage people, in how they do strategy. So just so people have an example of that, if you have any system that categorizes people and says, we have high, low, low and medium performers, we have four types of people who learn four different ways, you're teaching the mind. This is my theory of change, and it's pretty well documented in many other places. You're teaching the mind to categorize. And we don't have that built into our mental structure. We don't come in except the only category we have is what me, might eat me and what might be food. But that's like at the reptilian level, right? So if we're designing work that builds bias in, and I have seven of those kind of processes, that my work is educating, right? It's to help people see. Now, I don't give advice, I don't consult, I educate. I think that's a more powerful meta role than being the content uh, provider, the knowledge provider. So that's one role. I'm gonna keep going to the second one, you can 
stop me if you want want to put something in here. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I think uh, I I think that's a powerful way to to view our work in organizations. Uh, even though you're taking on what many would call a, a consulting role, a content expert, a subject matter expert yeah. role, you, but you you frame it in terms of educating. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're trying to break down processes, procedures, policies, you know, the systems. Right. That... So I need, to, I need to correct you. Oh, please, please. <laughs> I, uh, I do, I'm not an expert. I tell people, do not trust me under any condition. Don't accept what I say. Don't assume that I'm coming to you as an expert. Test everything. I don't give you a what to do. You will have no checklist. You will have no specific, I don't give advice. I, you can't say to me, here's what we're doing, what we should, uh, what, how are we doing? I tell them you have to switch epistemology. And if you've got an epistemology, which is based on an expert, you've created another uh, yeah. system that can be a problem. So I, that's another one that I confront. Yeah, I'm not an expert. I am a person who cares about this. I help frame how people think and then they yeah. become their own expert. No, no, thank you. That's, that's really good. And, and my comment was on how other people tend to yeah. uh, label, right, and frame it. And yeah. I, th I think that's absolutely right. Um, it, it's so frustrating um, when I found myself in those types of situations working with clients or when I'm teaching a class, helping students learn how to do it. Um, I, I've seen so many times where, where it's just so dysfunctional and it just doesn't work. You don't drive the change that you're, you're seeking within the organization. Um, and, and they do see it that way. They see it as, uh, and sometimes it's because they feel like they're inadequate and they don't know how to do it. Sometimes it's because they want to, to uh, outsource the responsibility and accountability, um, having the other, the, the quote unquote expert come in and, and tell them what to do. Regardless of the reason, that's not how meaningful, sustainable change is enacted within organizations. It's a matter of <clears throat> asking the right questions, pushing, probing, getting them to think reflexively. And, uh, and over time, you can start to break down those, those systems like you're, you've been talking about uh, to make sure that we, to the extent possible, and hopefully more and more over time, that we can rid our, our organizations, our policies, practices, procedures, our culture, of all these um, latent biases and um, various uh, conditions that just really don't serve a, a healthy purpose for the organization. Yeah, we can design them out if we understand what they are. And that's part of what, for me, the uh, educator role is, is helping people learn to see and be discerning about what they're doing. Well, I just am publishing an article because you and I are so much in this worlds we live in, right? It, think about the educator role. Um, I have an article in six parts, I think, that's going up today that is, um, that is called, what did I call it? The Regenerative Educator View. And it's on medium and it's taking what you and I are talking about right now and laying it out in seven living systems principles about what education looks like when we're here. Now that's in the, in another role, the media content creator. Cause the other thing I'm still in your question of 
what do we need to be doing right now to help God change through the tumultuous times that we are in? Um, we have to have ways of having something that is in front of people, like the educator, but has ongoing access. Uh, and I think right now our media content creators are not really serving the kind of role the, that they really need to be um, helping us play. They need to be creating much more illumination on the systemic effects of actions. And often what they do is become just confrontive and don't help lift up what are the systemic effects. So if I'm in a meta role of media content creator, because that's not my life's work, but I have written five books, I've created 800 videos, I run four podcasts, and the reason I do all that is to combine my educator and my media content creator. So I think we've got to change. Maybe, maybe it's better to say we have to bring in people like you who are talking and create more media access to written uh, video, uh, podcasts, the kinds of things that help over time uh, bump people's mind, disrupt what they're currently thinking. So those are two of the three, what I call disruptor roles that I think are necessary in times of change to get in there, get their hands dirty, but step into the meta role of it, not the confronting, uh, tear it all apart only role. Awesome, that's, that's really great. Um, so, so building off of what you just said, looking at kind of a, a more systemic approach to change, um you know that that's that's kind of tedious right that's tedious um work that requires consistent attention commitment um to 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 slowly work through the the types of embedded um problematic systems that exist and create more healthy systems to go in their place um one of the things i really like about your work is you talk about the non-heroic um approach to change how do you feel like that overlaps with what we've been discussing? Maybe you can define that for us. Well, uh, it, it's perfect. Uh, let me say, um, this is related to the idea of it's not tedious because you don't work on it the normal way. So most people work on change using an incredibly outdated theory of how change works is based on the physical world and it was created by Newton in the 18th century, Sir Isaac Newton, who I am a descendant of, so I get a right to uh, critique his work. Um, and it's based on the idea that if you think of the idea of a cue stick and a cue ball, and you're trying to pay billiards and get it into the pocket, did you hit the ball? It moves because you hit it, and it drops exactly where you want it to go. And that's the theory we have of how it happens. And so the hero becomes the one who is willing to step up, confront it directly, uh, take on whatever it has, and get it to move into the pocket. Now, Einstein had a couple of thoughts about that. One was that complex systems don't work that way, and humans don't, but we still in our organizational, educational, media, all those theories of change, we have the Newtonian idea. Now, what does it look like if you had a quantum view, you know, Einstein's version? Well, he says most of that kind of change happens in a field, and you can't predict 
what's gonna happen when you hit something, you may create more side effects than you create direct effects. We know this from the idea of working on culture. And we know that the, uh, you, you go into a house or a party or anywhere, and you can tell that there is an atmosphere. Now by that, we mean this complex kind of process. But the hero, or the non-hero, can work on generating a field just by doing what we were talking about. You stay in your everyday occupation, your everyday career, but you take on these roles just in how you do it. And if you're working that way, you're working much more in line with Einstein's idea. And I actually think when Einstein said, if we try and create a new world with the old paradigm, the Newtonian uh, classical paradigm, we will not get there. We will have the same process. So we can't create uh, a world free of racism, a world free of um, unfairness, a world free of uh, climate change. Uh, we can't do any of those things only by the heroic, and mostly I talk about the book, trying to find the heroes. And I thought when I was a kid, I was going to be one of those. I was going to be a hero. And I, I, my grandfather beat a lot of that out of me saying, you're, you're part of something. You're part of community. And you want to be in that community. So we move out of the heroic where we're trying to use acoustic metaphor on machinery or follow behavioral science, which says if you get cheese at the end of the maze, the rats will go there. Actually complex systems, including humans, don't work that way. They work with the indirect culture in the non-heroic. Every day I step into it, and I don't have to lay my life on the line. I have to lay my mind on the line. I have to be willing to kill all my old, old ideas about how change happens. Um, in this study, you know, I mentioned earlier that we did it with a learning uh, and uh, action research and learning process. And I had over 100 people, 122 people, I think, who joined. And the way we did it is they get educated on this way where you and I are talking about right now, this non-heroic, take on meta roles, see what you, they're all people who want to change the world. They all use terms like that, change the course of history. And we ask them then to go out and apply it and come back, do a little more, go out and apply that. And I had them keeping a journaling process. All of them, 100% of them said it profoundly changed them. Most of them got so they were able to see some significant change in the meta role they were taking on, whether it was parent or designer or earth tender or educator entrepreneur, media content creator, economic shaper, citizen, and spirit resource. That's all nine. And they were able to come back and share stories, which I filled a book with, about what it meant. And they were all said, I'm so exhausted with the trying to be a hero. I'm so exhausted with, and I had two people who actually used the word, the tediousness of everyday life. This feels so uplifting. And it means I'm growing. So that's a little on my thoughts on the subject. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I think, like you said, the, the, the reflection and understanding 
our how we fit is so so vital so important yeah and ultimately can we each have can we both can we all impact major change uh to an extent sure uh, it's and it's possible but that's not the point right the the point is um to better understand ourselves and how we fit into our current uh system and how we can change ourselves and thereby start to change um our what's in um direct proximity to us and then over time perhaps we might have the opportunity to have uh, broader change we will we are affecting that broad change right now in a negative way by not being conscious by not working in meta roles and my whole point and what we found in the study were i mean think about you and your role when you're actually in the meta educator role right and we play both when we're in a classroom or with a client system um we are affecting them and they're affecting there's a multiplier effect so i tell people you don't trade off any bigness any grandness any major understanding of what you're doing you are just doing it in a way that it affects this and the next and i look at the i mean i'm getting old now right i'm i'm going to be 80 next year and what i look at is the number of people who i've touched and i make them be members of something i never went into the movies so i could have that platform instead i work on a few people at a time in a non-heroic way uh and i watch the effect of the leaders and corporations um who are heading major fortune 500 companies now over time nope you can make major changes but you don't do it by making major moves with a cue stick yeah that's right that's right um well wonderful we're about out of time but before okay. we finish today uh, i want to give you a chance to share with the listeners how can they get in touch with you uh, find your book, find out more about what you're doing. Um, well, one place to start is carolsanford.com. It's all about me. <laughs> and uh, on there, there are links to my membership communities, to my corporate activity, which are on different websites than that one. But all five books are there. They all have links. The one we've been talking about today is The Regenerative Life. And it's about really changing uh transforming organizations really recreating um my our life and the roles we play i have four podcasts the one that will be most interesting i think to your listeners is business second opinion and although it has business in it i mean organization and it is not an interview podcast like this one it's one where i critique Harvard Business Review, one article, an idea at a time, and give an alternative. Because I do large-scale systems design, including, I have stories like the, all the amazing work we did in South Africa with companies and the communities and in Europe. Uh, so you can go uh, find those books and the stories. And there's even a page tells you something about each and how they all relate. Uh, and the podcast is on carolsanford.com. I think it says second opinion. Um, so it's not hard to find me. And if you really need something, you can email me. And guess what my email is? Carol at carolsanford.com. So thank you, Jonathan, so much for inviting me. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, such fascinating insights uh, and perspectives. 
on all of this. And I hope my listeners will uh, look you up and reach out to you. And uh, I wish you the best. And, and perhaps we can continue this discussion uh, at a later date. Great. That would be fabulous. Okay. Wonderful. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And I hope my listeners have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.